It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. For the first time, I thought, whoa, I don't know about this. <laughs> Welcome to episode 227 of 20 Minute Tims. I'm your host Stephen and I'm joined as always by your friend and mine, it's Martin Melly. Yes, present. <laughs> Melly, let's get straight into it. We've got loads to talk about this week, loads that's happening. It's been a big old week in Timdom as, as it always is. News comes thick and fast at this level. As we sit here recording episode 227, it's transfer deadline day. Uh, we are not camped outside. Yeah, is that why you've got the yellow tie on? <laughs> Yes, and I'm Jim Green and White tonight. I've uh, worn my yellow tie especially. We're not camped outside Celtic Park, unfortunately. Restrictions forbid it, so we're going to have to make do with, with the studio. However, forget all that. Smoke is rising from the chimney of Celtic Park. Not quite confirmed yet as we sit down to the mics, but it is looking like Celtic have answered all the questions, all the demands all the requests, all, all the wailing and gnashing of teeth about this left-hand side, this problem left-hand side with the all-but-sealed signing of Uruguayan utility man, I suppose you would call him, uh, Diego Laxalt. Uh, I'm not convinced that's how you pronounce that right enough. That, that will become clear, I suppose, in the coming days. From AC Milan, 27 years old, 24 caps for Uruguay. Uh, we'll do... Full scouting reports. Patrons of the podcast will know that we do the scouting reports um, on each player that comes in, uh, conducted by generally Jamie and the professional scout and analyst that we commission, Blair Newman, on exactly what to expect. But what are your initial thoughts on that signing? Should it come through? We understand that the, the medical is being conducted just now in London, which should be a formality, but what are you thinking about that? Well, it's a position that we've been chasing for a long time. I think it was very clear from what the 1st of September last year that we needed a new left-back because the <laughs> ones we got in weren't good enough. Uh, I happen to know in my one bit of ITK that oh. actually went in for Diego Laxalt last summer and had a deal grilled, but Torino came in and the old transfer saying gazumped us with a better oh. loan deal. So he went, they, he went there, they were paying more of his wages and that, so he ended up going there. So it's one that you think, well, okay, good signing. For me, it's like a sort of football manager signing. It's a very unceltic like signing. A, a 27-year-old Uruguayan, it's not one of Neil Lennon's no. sort of favoured uh, avenues to go down. But to me, 
it looks amazing. A Uruguayan, so I'm just expecting them to come in, slot in seamlessly and just be absolutely amazing for no other reason than I love his name and his hair. <laughs> well, Celtic and South Americans, what could possibly go wrong? Fits <laughs> Always like a hand out. in a glove. <laughs> yeah, a wee, a wee bit more. As I say, we'll, we'll fully delve into into the details of him. But what we do know about Diego Laxalt, just on the surface of things, is that he is a Uruguayan international Plays on the left side, can play a left back or a wee bit further forward, can even play as an attacking midfielder. So what we can glean from that is that, you know, sounds perfect for a left yeah. wing back, should should that be what you're after. I'd be lying if I said I'd kept up a lot with his career in the last couple of years, but I remember, th- this is one of these rare signings where I've actually heard of the guy. It's yeah. one of those rare modern Celtic signings where you're like, oh, really, that guy, I wonder what he's been up to. I remember him clearly from the 2018 World Cup. I thought he was a standout, mainly because of what he looks like. You mentioned his hair, and it is a spectacular barnet. He's got he's got cornrows. He's a white guy with cornrows, which is controversial in this day and age, but it's a bold look, fairly unmissable on the pitch. He stood out in that tournament for me. I thought he was excellent. He didn't start the tournament as a first pick, but grew into it and was a standout performer for Uruguay. And Uruguay... The big cliche, name Uggs, let's face yep. it, they are they are a solid, solid team and they, they did well. They tend to do well in international tournaments and he was very much part of that. Yes, another one where you think, this signing makes sense. It's a, a guy in the PK's career, he's a guy that's been played in international tournaments, he's played in a decent league, he's got a good pedigree about him. It should work, the only thing is, as you say, the South American thing settling in, but again, if you look at it, it's a guy that should come in and go straight into the first team. He should go yeah. in and go, that left wing back's my position. Like all the signings we've made this in this window, they've all came in and they all should make a big impact on the starting eleven. And I can't remember in a, a window like that. I'm just I really hope he's as good as I think he's going to be in my mind because it seems like the perfect signing for Celtic. It's just again, why is it taking so long? <laughs> That's just it, isn't it? The mysteries of the universe, the the transfer mysteries, but AC Milan player, more on them to come in this yep. episode, of course, as there's more news to talk about. But that he hasn't really played an awful lot for AC Milan. His, I mean, there's no shame in that. Moves just sometimes don't work out. But he was an outstanding player. That's about four times I've used the word outstanding to, to describe Diego Laxalt. <laughs> Must look up a thesaurus. But he was very good for, for Genoa. Uh, even a teammate of Olivier and Cham at one point. Yeah. And, uh, and he got his move to AC Milan and hasn't really played an awful lot. He's always involved in the squads. But really, uh, is kind of short on game time in recent recent times. Well, hence the the availability for a loan move to Celtic, of course. But my overall feelings are that, same as you. I just it's one of those ones that just makes so much sense. How could it possibly go wrong? That is, it seems like it ticks every box. Much like we talked about with Duffy. How often do we come on here and say we need like a someone in that age bracket, someone who's twenty six to twenty nine, who is a fully established international he's got 24 caps for one of the best teams in the world Duffy obviously doesn't tick that box but he's an experienced player of of a higher level than Celtic generally play at he ticks all of these boxes and it's a really exciting signing really I mean obviously as as we've kind of joked about there are the issues around perhaps settling in but he's coming from Italy he's played a lot in Italy it's not like he's just like coming straight from Uruguay where you think we're really a Celtic his introduction to European football it's it's not like that yet he's playing in Italy we've had players make that move before most notably well in recent terms Olivier Cham who played for Genoa only three or four seasons ago so 
I'm not fully concerned about that, but first impressions are all for it, to be honest. I think that's an absolutely great signing, potentially. Yeah, as I said, you can see you can see where his position's going to be. You can see, look, maybe this is the missing piece of the jigsaw. Will the left-backs or left-wing-backs we've been linked with? He sort of came in late to the party, but he's the one, if he, out of the wall, we've been linked with, he'd be able to get him. Look, there's hopefully not going to be much here. An adjustment period for it. We're just getting used to the new surroundings. But 27, he knows what he's doing. He knows the positions. He's played them multiple times. It's not like a Alfie, was it Dotti? Yeah, I'm still yeah. not sure on how to pronounce that. But he's what a 19, 20 year old coming in again. We haven't done went down the project route this summer. Yeah, We've yeah. went in and got established players, and I'm really delighted with that. And if this guy comes in and is anyway decent, he's going to just hit the ground running I feel because that position's there for him he knows what he's doing international player you just expect him to come in and just within a few weeks like Shane Duffy just think oh he's been here his whole life yeah bittersweet somewhat though in that it probably slams the door in the face of your beloved James McLean that will probably now never happen Uh, so a a moment's silence for that transfer which will probably never happen now we were treated to a little bit of silly season over the last you know 48 hours or so when Celtic were linked with the likes of Robert Snodgrass that looked as if it was all but a done deal at one point they were even talking about it on on BBC which I listened to against my better judgment Chick Young was asking Neil Lennon about signing not Robert Snodgrass but I just I never thought for a single minute I, I wasn't against it because Robert Snodgrass is a good player and you can never have too many of those it's the complete opposite of Laxalt in that to me, it just made absolutely no sense whatsoever. I'm not going to turn my nose up at a good player, but I thought uh, Snodgrass, who is in his early 30s now, probably 33, 34, he used to be a winger, has now sort of started doing the the typical thing of sinking back the way, more of a midfielder, I suppose you would say now, or still maybe a number 10. But when we were linked with him, people were talking about, oh, he's going to be the left wing back. And I thought, absolutely no, no chance. They're not going to sign a 30, 30-odd-year-old guy and stick him out in the left wing back position. That's, that's crazy to me. But it turned out there was absolutely nothing in it. Steve McGowan tweeted earlier, the the Oracle, the guy who knows what's what, who knows what's happening behind the scenes at Celtic. He tweeted earlier that he expects Lexelt to be in. That seems to be it. No major sales. And really, that's, that's the kind of business done. So... As we record this, that the the window hasn't quite slammed shut just yet, but it is creaking. Still get my fingers to, in it. Just creaking. Close. How would you? I mean, let's just look across the list here: Barkas, Duffy, Turnbull, Elgunusi, Ayeti, Laxalt. On the surface of that, that is an absolutely unbelievable transfer window from Celtic. I mean, we have spent years on here, whinging, greeting about the state of the transfer windows we've had, some of the belters under Brendan Rodgers we had, oh. uh, but that. On paper alone, that is an absolutely astounding transfer window for Celtic. I'm trying not to get carried away and use like, ridiculous language, but it's from what we've faced in the last few years, and again, I get, uh, the Brendan Rodgers stuff is absolutely mental when you look back at it, like Musonda and uh, Malumbu, Emilio Rizagiri and all that. Actually, I was uh, messing about with my phone today and I found the song that we made to announce Emilio Rizagiri when he came back. We, <laughs> we played a wee, song, a wee song about him on the podcast. That, that just popped up out of, out of nowhere today. But all of that in the past. Bear in mind what we've just said as well about how nobody's left. Like we've, never, nope. we've not lost any players. We've not qualified for the Champions League. And yet we haven't made a major sale and signed all of those players for a fair whack of money. Zero complaints, surely. Well, 
It's surely, but no, I can have complaints. But like, I don't want to be negative on it because, as you say, on paper, if you had said to me, see when this deadline closes in October, which seems like ages ago, October we're thinking, enough. how can we keep a hold of all these players? If you're saying you're going to keep a hold of all your main players, the maybe main six, and bring in six players, I'd be like, oh, those six players, that, that'll be a few dodgy ones, a few projects and all that. Aye, aye. But every single player that we brought in, I think will make an a big impact on the first team. And you could maybe argue they would all start. I mean, when you look for the departures from last year, Fraser Foster's went out, fair enough. We offered him a deal, he didn't take it. So we went out straight away and got a young international straight in, spent the money on him, brilliant. Jozo Simonovic leaves and we bring in Shane Duffy. Unbelievable. Bowling goalie out, Johnny Hayes out, both of them absolutely rotten and you bring in a, a Uruguayan international. That's yeah. tremendous. Keep all our midfielders and bring in David Turnbull as another option. Sensational. Bring back Moel Yunusi, who I think is a good player and we've seen over the last couple of weeks that he can be a very useful player to have about. And bring in a, a striker from the Premier League whilst keeping a hold of Odds and Edward. You're like, Melly, what have you got to complain about? Well, I'll <laughs> tell you, Stephen, bring them in Please a month do. ago because they uh, were available yeah. a month ago. This Lex Out was available. Duffy, how long did that rumble on for? Turnbull, we've what, scouted them for what, probably about 18 months, two years. Why yeah. does it always take so long? Because see, if we had to got this squad in early enough, we'd probably be in the Champions League. But saying that, uh Honestly, apart from bringing in James McLean instead of Lex Out and Paddy Roberts, just because I love him, I can't complain about any of the signings. Lex Out might not work out, but step in the right direction. What a phenomenal yeah, yeah. window. And as we do the O'Neill years, Martin O'Neill's first season, the, win the transfers they brought in there were great. They all made an impact on the team, but there was no windows then. It was the following season they brought the windows in. But I'm going to say it, this is the best window we've ever had. Oh. Do you know what? It sounds like a big claim, but I don't know if I could possibly... I can't really pick you up on that because it's been a running joke on the podcast for years now that we always look back. We compare everything to the Mowbray window where we brought, <laughs> brought in Robbie Keane, uh, Diamante Kamara, Edson Bradford, Key, God, Joss Hoyvers, was it? And, and Rasmussen, many, many others, uh, but also sold the guts of the team at the same yeah. time. So we haven't done that this time. I, I mean... I, it is. It's absolutely unbelievable. If what we tend to do is we sit down at the start of every transfer window and broadly agree that if you're being realistic, no one goes into a transfer window and says we need ten players, we need no. we need fifteen out, and we need ten in because that's just bollocks. That kind of thing doesn't happen. Certainly not at a successful club. And Tony Mowbray found that out. You would have said, I mean, even pushing the boat, you would have said four. Give me four signings that are going to improve the first 11. You'd be yeah. absolutely delighted with that. But even then, that would have felt unrealistic because that never happens either. So to without, get six, Without a departure as well. Oh, yeah, of course. You always I, expect somebody to go. And all of them, as much as it's not my concern how much the outgoings are, we've been critical in the past of the board not putting their money where their mouth is, not backing managers. That That's a significant outlay in one transfer window. Duffy, Laxalt and El Yunusi don't cost much. They don't cost anything in terms of their transfer fee, but they'll be commanding a decent wage, yeah. even if they're only paying a, a, a certain portion of it. But the rest all cost a fair bit of money in Scottish football terms. And I'm I'm very pleased with the, the business that's that's been done. There's no there's no doubt about it. There's uh, no excuses now. <laughs> Sadly, though, wasn't all good news. There was uh, a couple of outgoings. 
Jack H is in left after many years at the club, three and a half years after his last appearance though, and four and a half years after busting onto the scene with that goal in Ronnie Dyla's final game. Yep. He's off to Barnsley permanently and <laughs> a Brendan Rodgers signing, one of, one, one of his first signings probably. Kuntai Benyu is also gone to... No, he came in the second season. Oh, was the second season of course? Ah, because he played against Rosenborg. And uh, that, that's the how many times have I said that in the podcast as well? Where <laughs> chasing a goal at home, I think it was drew nothing each with Rosenborg at home, chasing a goal, and he sticks on Kundai Benyu. Callum McGregor was an unused sub. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's gone, and the the only reason I'm bringing this up, right, is one to have a wee joke about it about how he was the next big thing. Remember, he came on. Uh, did a lot of step overs against Leon and that friendly uh, we get friendly. pumped in and everything uh, so the only reason I bring it up apart from that is that to point out where he's gone Kundai Benyu has signed for Wildston who are only famous for having that guy that we get the you got no fans the Wildston Raider so he came from Ipswich to Celtic right he came from Ipswich but he'd never played for them so really his career trajectory is this Aldershot Celtic Wildston. I mean that is that is extraordinary. We we make some weird signings at times, eh? Again, it's worth pointing out that we've not done this this window. There are no Kundai Benyus, there are no Jack Henrys, there are no Marvin Compels. There's no even ones for the future. There's not even like a Leah Connor or Jeremy Frimpong who at the time just seemed like another project. I bring Kundai Benyu up to just point out we've not done it again. We've not done it this this. Yep. transfer window and I'm absolutely delighted with it yeah delighted as you said like, to bring in all these guys that are going to have an impact on the first 11 and well, well because we've got five subs this this season as well it makes a big difference but to keep everybody else is, is incredible especially as like, with the Covid and all that in these uncertain times Celtic have went out and spent the money now Benue was a disaster again another project like why, why do we do this because it has it ever worked I can't think of one mm, straight to the top of my not. head. That, that, that this guy's career is basically ruined. He's came to Celtic and he's not played football. Players don't get better if they don't play football. So, but I'm just I'm just delighted with the window in the end. The every position that we needed, if I was to tick at the start of the season, these positions need addressed. We've done that and more. I think Turnbull's an absolute bonus as well. I don't think midfield was a pressing position that we needed done, but Celtic squad looks in his best shape since what Brendan Rodgers first or second season yeah the board have done their bit now it's up to the players and Celtic management to get a tune out these players because they haven't been doing it recently and if it comes to the end of the season the board have done their bit finally even though it is a bit late for Champions League there can be no excuses from the no we can't make any grumblings towards the board because they've backed their manager they've given them the players and I think they've went above and beyond to be honest not only have they not sold the likes of Lords and Edwards and you know, and famous last words, but this podcast go out could go out and then like two minutes before midnight half the squad leaves, right? But as it stands, we've not sold Lords and Edwards or in Cham or Christie or Christopher Iyer or any of these guys who were linked to the moves away. We speculated about all of these guys after Neil Lennon said that thing he did about yeah. how players don't want to be here. So we we thought at that point when he said that it seemed like a really serious issue and we thought, right, all these guys are have down tools they're all going to leave all that stuff none of them have gone but not even not only that we haven't sold even Tom Rogic or no, Lee Griffiths or Lee Griffiths or, or anybody or any of these 
I don't use the word backup, but even of these guys who are still in the squad and we, we still know how good a player they can be when, when called upon. So I, I, I'm extremely happy. Yes, we do have those reservations and it's something, again, we talk about all the time. It's the same annual complaints we have about leaving it too late, gambling the European run on these transfers and, and the squads carrying you through and it's, it's bitten us yet again. But that's gone now and we need to need to focus on the future and the positives are that these players are all very, very impressive on paper. They're, they're, with every transfer, with every transfer window and there's, with every transfer, there is the the risk that some of them will, will, will not work out. But none of that is based on anything, any evidence. It's not like no. oh, we've just taken a punt on some young players. If these guys don't work out, it's because, well, it's just one of those things. Do you know what I mean? Like the, football is littered with guys who went to a club, it didn't work out, and then he's good again. But you can't legislate for that. What we can only do is go out and get the best players available to you. Players with good reputations, players who you know could play at a, at a decent level. And Celtic have absolutely gone out and done that. Yeah, I think you're right. The only real one we have question marks over probably is Laxalt because we haven't seen yeah. him yet. Whereas Barkas has looked solid throughout. Duffy just slotted in seamlessly as if he's been there for a long time. Turnbull looks decent and we know he can do it in the Scottish League. El Yunus we've seen last season and Ayeti's a top goal scorer already. So you're you're not really it's not really risks, is it? There's no risky signings that you think, no. oh, that might not work out. But I can't help but go back to that Neil Lennon comment when he said there's there's players here that don't want to be here. And it, it still worries me. Like he shouldn't have said that because mm. it just lets the, the cat out of the bag. But when I think about it, like, okay, there's guys that don't want to be here and it wasn't just one, he didn't say a player, he said players. Now, what does yeah. that mean for those players now? He's outed them and they're still here. Those guys that maybe think they're better than they, they are themselves, like mm. guys that think, oh, I shouldn't be here. Well, teams didn't come in for you, mate. That's the problem yeah. with a lot of these guys. Yeah. You're here because... Celtic would have probably accepted a decent bid for any any one player, probably borrowed Odson Edward because we've got a decent squad now. So what does that do for these players that maybe didn't want to be here? Do they now knuckle down? Does Neil Lennon have a word with them and say, look, you're here now. We would have accepted yeah. bids, but they didn't come in for you. Now, that's on you. That's not us. You're playing football here. You need to go and perform to get the move because that's how you get a move. You look outstanding in Scotland and teams go, do you know what? I'll take him, I'll take a punt on him, whereas maybe now because of COVID, teams aren't taking punts on guys, they're going for more guarantees like Celtic do. But my other wee thing that's just stuck in the back of my mind and I can't get rid of it is when Rangers went to do 10 in a row, when you just see teams just at the end of the road, at the end of their cycle, and I know we've spoken about Celtic bringing in six players, but three of them are on loan, so we don't know if... They'll mm, stay yeah. beyond the end of the season. And then if it gets to this season, like that's the 10 in a row. Does Scott Brown go? Does St. Edward go? Does Christopher Ayer go? Ryan Christie? Olivier and Champ? It just feels like there's still a lot of players. who you, There's so much uncertainty within yeah. the squad. Is it just going to be one of those things where it gets to the end of the season and we go, do you know what? It was the end of the road for this team. A big clear out and then we have to start again. Do you think that's the case or do you think it's we've brought in enough 
players to do that and maybe it's time for Neil Lennon's man management to come in and say, look, you're here, yeah. let's do it. Let's get you this move then. Go and go out and earn it because you've not done that so far. Well, what you've said there makes perfect sense. There's no choice now. If the yeah. the window slams shut and every slams shut and everyone is still here, say everyone, slam shut a bit more. Yeah, <laughs> definitely say that a lot more. Uh, if everyone is still, you know, quote stuck here. Let's say five players want to go and they all the the window closes and uh, they, they they just need to go on. But they, they've got two choices. They can either go in a half and end up tra- you know, training with the reserves and all that stuff, or they can go about. Impressing. That's that's what they they absolutely need to do. That's those are the choices that they're, they're being presented with. And I'd love to the hope is the second one. On your point about having a rebuild, it's it's a good one. I hadn't really occurred to me. We've been here before. We've been here before over the the lifespan of the podcast where we took in a lot of loan players. I'm thinking sometimes under Brendan Rodgers, we had guys like you know, Oliver Burke, Timo Weah, who again will come up later in this podcast yeah. because we're going to be facing him. We're going to be facing one of the most forgettable Celtic signings <laughs> in recent years, in this century probably, Timo Weah. We had guys like that, we told you, and we, we thought it's a big gamble here because we're probably going to get, need to go out and sign about seven players in the one the one window, and, and that's never ideal. But you make a good point about guys like don't necessarily worry about having to replace lone players. It's more the the kind of the core and the heartbeat of the team. And Scott Brown will have to go at some point. This yeah. must be his last season as a as a mainstay in the team. It absolutely must be. Um, I, I get why he is such a mainstay just now because of a very important season. But after that, there's no need to be flogging that guy to death when he's approaching 37. That's, that's silliness. So he must be replaced, and we've never really gone about that in a, a great manner so far. Guys like Ayer, Christie, all the ones we've just mentioned in Cham, Edward, they'll all go at some point, and it, it will be in the next year to maximum. We're not going to get another two seasons out of Levy and Cham, and I'm starting to wonder whether it's you know, really, I'll be all that bothered about it now. Um, but... It is a good point. It is a good point about having to rebuild a lot at the same time. Yes, if we win the 10 this season, you could say, right, right, that's it done. We can all just relax and what what will be will be. But the reality is everyone is going to go into next season thinking, right, well, we need to win the 11 now, surely. And I don't mean the 11 because of the record. I just mean because it's a league yeah. there to be won. Even if you lose the league this year, you still need to win yeah. it back then. Exactly. So, well, it's maybe not worth worrying about just yet. So we'll we'll maybe pick that up uh, at a later date, maybe towards the end of the season. But you, you do make a good point about having to rebuild quite a lot of the team. I've got another big question for you, Stephen. I'm going to put you right on the spot here. The squad's been as good as what maybe Brendan Rodgers' second season when we brought back Roberts, signed in Cham, loaned in Edward. We had a very good squad then. Would Brendan Rodgers go invincible with this squad in the league? Oh, goodness sake. That that is on the spot. Yep. Would he go invincible with this squad? Uh I mean a lot of the a lot of the most important parts of that squad are now gone. Yeah. Because yeah, people will talk about Forrest and McGregor and all that, but they weren't really mainstays in that season. Forrest had huge competitions competition rather with uh, Roberts. McGregor was coming through. He played a lot, but it wasn't like a, an absolute like nailed on position. There was guys like Armstrong and all that. Lustig's gone, um, Dembele, of course, Tierney, the, the, all these guys are gone, so it's it's hard to compare fully to today because a lot of these play. I don't know if a lot of these players are individually as good as them, but the squad as a whole looks absolutely tremendous. So answer my question then, Stephen. Would if Brendan <laughs> Rodgers was in charge of this team, do you think they'd go invincible? Uh, yes, I, okay. I do actually. I, I think they follow probably up. Could, I've got a follow up, quick fire. Yep. 
Will Neil Lennon go invincible with this squad? No. Would Brendan Rodgers win the league with this squad? Yes. That was a definite yes from you there? That, that was a definite yes. Will oh. Neil Lennon win the league with this squad? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, he will. Yeah, I think yeah, he will. Yeah. yeah, I think he will. Oh, fair enough, I'm just I'm just poking because I just feel with this squad it being so strong and the performances recently, I'm wondering why it's not working. Why is it not working? Because the players are yeah. good, but I can't think of any that are on form now. And there's the, immediately to that, I can't blame the board because they've got the players we need. Mm, yeah. So something's not right right now. What is it? Is it the management? It, it could be. Um, no, I say this in the knowledge that Celtic are winning games just now. They're winning a lot of games. What yeah, of course. They've won every game. As well. Yeah, every game since Ferencvaros. They haven't conceded since Livingston, was it? Um, yeah, they haven't conceded in several games now. But I think there is, a, there is a concern. There is a bit of a cloud hanging over the performances because Celtic are very much just now, at best, they're a second-half team because it's taken them a, quite a long time to get into games. Even against Hibs, where they went into the half-time 2-0 up, I'd argue that the second half performance was still a lot better oh, than the first half. So we're getting a lot of late winners. And yes, that, that shows a lot of you know, character and drive and all that. But there is just something just not quite clicking. I feel like we're yet to see the, the resurgence of Lenny Ball. We're not really fully getting that fast kind of swashbuckling style that we saw under Lennon last season, in particular yeah, towards the, the start of last season. There could be a lot of factors in that. There could be the the lack of fans, and I don't want to just use that as an excuse because that's how everyone's playing just now. But football is football is different this season. Yeah, I think we can you, you see that down in England as well. The amount of goals that have been scored in England just now is absolutely ridiculous, and the amount of weird results you're seeing. Yesterday, Liverpool get tanked off a team that barely scraped into the league last season. Uh, there's all sorts of shocks happening. So I suppose we can credit Celtic with the fact that despite the fact that football is just weird this season, nothing has really changed other than the, the level of attacking invention. They're still winning games. There, there haven't been any upsets. Ferenc Varos aside, of course, but in the league, there haven't been any major upsets. So it, there is a consistency there, at least. It's just the, the, the wee snap, crackle and pop has, has kind of gone from performance a wee bit. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the fans, no fans does have an effect, but it just seems to be like with every passing game, you're getting... All right, Hibs, good performance. Then the two since Hibs have been fairly poor. Sarajevo mm. sat in, and then the same with uh, the weekend there at St. Johnson. But we're not getting two performances in a row. And I know, look, Rangers are delighted to get into the Europa League because that was their only option. But with us, it's a sort of step down from the Champions League. Yeah, and yeah. We've had to go through that low of going out the Champions League, having to pick ourselves up. That result's sort of hanging about however and over is. I hope now that we've got transfer window closes after this international break, we've got a wee bit of a run at it. We know the squad, everything's settled then and hopefully everybody can just get behind it and Neil Lennon can go, this is my squad, this is my favoured formation, these are my favoured players to play within that and we can rotate a couple about. But it just seems to be a, a lot of disjointed performances recently yeah. and I'm just hoping that tonight at 12 o'clock when that clock strikes, when you take off that yellow tie that that's it. It's a fresh start. Yeah. This is where we go for here. And this is it. Straight on road for the 10 where we curve balls of we offshoots for Europe. Is it difficult to watch Celtic just now? Is it is it difficult to watch football just now? Is there yeah. a, that sort of subconscious level maybe? It's diff, quite difficult to engage fully with games because 
it, as, I, as I said, football is just quite strange at the moment. Whether you're watching it with fan noise or anything, it, there's just a, a slightly alien feel to it. And I think I think a lot of people maybe are getting it into their heads that this season should have been a lot more exciting than it is um, because you know, it's the 10 and all that and people are maybe getting a wee bit carried away with that. But I, I do understand that people, whether there has been maybe a lot of undue negativity in the last few weeks, I do understand why people are just, as, as we spoke recently, a wee bit tense about it. But as the performances on the field go, I'm confident that things will happen and it's better. I think that we've been just waiting for this window to, to slam shut. It feels like it's been open for about a year now because, and even Neil Lennon has said that he, he expects Odson Edward to get better once yeah. the windows close, which I still find quite a, quite a, a confusing thing to say because it's not... Unless things are happening behind the scenes, unless there's been a lot of agent activity going on, I don't really understand why it would be unsettled because, to me, just as an outsider, it doesn't seem to be anybody actually in for him. So I don't know if he's making noises about going. We can only speculate, but we can hopefully take Neil Lennon at his word that he expects things to settle down after the window is closed and we can all focus. We're all pulling in the right, the right direction. Everyone is here now and there is a, is a long-term Short-term as well. Short-term goals will be to improve the performances, but there's a long-term goal here and to get this league one and everyone needs to focus on that. Yeah, I think, see, what you're saying about watching football, it's so different now. I think that was very true. It just occurred to me when you said that, like, see, if you had been at the the Hibs game, you'd have thought brilliant. Or if you had yeah. been at the Livingston game, say, you thought... Do you know what? Celtic played well there, but got hit by two goals. It was quite exciting at the end. We came back from being a goal down. The Dundee United away game. Imagine being in the shed watching that when Ayeti scores that late yeah. goal. St Johnston at the weekend. Imagine Celtic fans would have been behind that goal. Lee Griffiths gets that 90th minute. Imagine the sheer euphoria when that goes yeah. in. Whereas when you're sitting at home, it's just sheer, it's more relief than anything. You're not... You're yeah. not. It's not as intense because you're not there, or there's no, you don't see. Yeah, yeah, you don't see fans there, and you don't hear when Celtic get a corner. The crowd behind getting behind yeah. them, geeing them up, willing the ball in. It's just it's so different now. Yeah, no, there's you. You make good points. There is a there's just an overall detachment, and I think people maybe feel more separated from the football than ever before. It's it's there, but it's not there. We can't go to the games. We can only watch on the telly, and it all feels a wee bit strange. So. I, I don't know, maybe maybe we've just set the bar too high a wee bit for this season because of all that's riding on it and maybe the performances haven't been great but they've been functional, we've been getting the results so it can only really get better, I would suggest, maybe that's just overly optimistic but uh, I would suggest that getting results while not playing particularly well is generally a good thing until it becomes a wee bit too many in a row, if you know what I mean, where you can't really see the pattern changing but uh, we can only, we've got a big chance coming up in a couple of weeks time hopefully because Maybe. there have been some rumours swirling around I don't really want to delve too far into that because at this point there are only rumours around that the Rangers game might get at least potentially delayed because of you know, lockdowns and, and so on but we'll talk about that nearer the time Selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One of these uh, slightly, slightly tepid and lackluster performances came uh, in the form of St Johnston at the weekend. It was a, an away trip to a team that we, I mean, haven't scored against Celtic for more than three years now. More than ten games. That's eleven games now since uh, since St Johnston have scored against Celtic, which is absolutely incredible. Stephen McLean, uh, who is familiar to. Ibuwe Kuasi for all the wrong reasons. Uh, Google that. <laughs> uh, he was the last person to score against yeah, Celtic. Coach. Which is, uh, oh, so he is. Yeah, he's, he's at St. Johnson on the St. Johnson bench. So it's a long time. We did the live preview show before it on Patreon. Um, and we were buzzing for it. We, like, we yeah. were right up for it. We were all predicting absolute routes because we looked into the past performances against against that, you know, St. Johnson. And it was going into that game, it was 31 0. On aggregate, since the last time St. Johnson scored against its Celtic, which is absolutely incredible, but it was a le- a wee bit of a letdown, and it, uh, I'm not being overly harsh there because Neil Lennon has since well, immediately after the game admitted that the first half performance wasn't good enough. However, the second was pretty good, I thought, um, mainly due to the introduction of the subs, and we can talk a little bit about that as well because the lineup was another reason why we were quite excited about the game because it was something different. Yeah. It's not something we see very often. It was the, the the exclusion of Scott Brown is something we'd rarely see as as Celtic fans. So we thought, right, well, that's a good opportunity because we get to see Turnbull from the start. We get to maybe put to bed all the excessive wranglings over the Scott Brown issue. The whole thing, like it's it's maybe dragged on a wee bit too much. People 
both camps are a wee bit too entrenched in their beliefs of the, the Scott Brown thing, whereas it's not really that big a deal if you think about it. He's just a player that probably can come in and out as as normal like anyone else is. So we got that. And one thing I suppose we can put to bed is that it's Scott Brown and Scott Brown alone who slows the Celtic team down and removes the creativity from the team. I don't believe that in the first place anyway. But given the first hour's performance of that game, I think we can probably put aside the belief that it's you know that this is all Scott Brown's fault. He sucks the life out of the team. He's too slow and all that kind of stuff. Because what we saw was a very similar performance to if Scott Brown had been there. Yeah, look, you're right. I think we cheated ourselves up because of the we thought we'd look. We've had a a lot of joy up at McDermott Park where they don't score against us a lot. We'd made a couple of changes that sort of got us excited. But it was the same same performance we've seen. And look, the performance against Sarajevo during the week, I, I don't doubt that that sapped a lot out of the players, but I thought, felt we'd made enough changes to sort of negate that. But Scott Brown coming out, it didn't really make a difference. And it just really, really made me doubt. That was why I was asking you those questions earlier about Neil Lennon, because I'm like, why is there, why is there so many players not playing well? Because that's... That's a team thing. That's not just individual yeah. things. That, that, that there's something not going well there. But I was delighted to see Tumble in because I thought the energy we've seen in the second half of the Hibs game was brilliant. Didn't really get any of that. I was delighted to see what Cham was like without Scott Brown beside him because mm-hmm. I feel they don't work well together. And Cham, again, look, mate, see if you're not going to do it against St. Johnston away from home in the league. Are you going to be able to do it in all these bigger leagues you think you can get moves to? Yeah, because I'm a right, massive yeah. Olivier and Cham fan, but I'm really starting to worry now. Like, where, where are these performances? Because this guy we've seen can be in the top two or three midfielders in the league, but he just doesn't show it enough. And no, like, St. Right. Johnson away, you should be dancing around these guys, but he's just not doing it. And I just felt that once the game started, it just into the same Celtic we've seen recently bar the Hibs game and I just see if we're going to do 3-5-2 which is fine we've got the left wing back in now hopefully in Lax out so he'll come in but strikers you need to play strikers you can't play Edward and El Yunusi. it has to be one or the other and an out and out striker in yeah. Ayeti Griffiths Klamala because they're dropping off too deep and there's no there's nobody in there causing problems for the defence stretching the play and it makes us so predictable I feel I felt yesterday maybe we should have switched to a 4 2 3 one and mm. tried to get because the wing backs were just give it to them and hope they cross it in but who they crossed it in for because Elianusi's dropping deep and so is Edward so it's just all a bit disjointed again for me Refereeing performance in the sure. game we'll talk about everything that happened with Celtic as well and the and the key changes that happened in the game the referee refereeing performance was lamentable to be perfectly honest an absolute shambles and we've always said it we've always said it on here the time to complain about refereeing performances is when you've won because it's not sour grapes it is just a complaint about the standard of refereeing once again there was a very early penalty claim on Duffy Stonewaller absolutely Stonewaller Duffy played the long ball which I actually thought was very useful because he, he just I'm not against him just shelling one on occasion because what happened on this occasion was he just Played a very long ball. Edward chased it down. Defence panicked a wee bit and just conceded a corner. In yep. which point, you know, we can all just advance into the box, including Duffy, who jumped for the 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 corner that came in from Turnbull. Who, incidentally, I thought is set pieces. It didn't have a great game, but it's, I thought his set pieces already look an upgrade on some of Christie's uh, already. We'll get on to that. Yeah, the the um the ball comes over. 
and the defender just grabs a, a fistful of Shane Duffy's shirt and the ball goes out the other side. I was both kind of equal parts, you know, appalled and completely unsurprised that yep. we didn't get that penalty, to be honest. I don't think, I think it would take something absolutely extraordinary for Celtic to get a penalty like that. And I'm not going at that from a conspiracy point of view. I just think it's a very easy decision to just turn a blind eye to that kind of thing because no one went down or no one was was overtly fouled or anything like that. It just simply obstructed them, prevented them from jumping and the ball went out the other side. So very, very disappointing that we, not only did we not, are we unlikely to get a decision like that, even more so that I, I saw it and just thought, well, definitely not getting that. So yeah. I wasn't even that bothered about it at the time. It was uh, the referee, I don't want to let away with that one, but from where Duffy is, that's the linesman's side. So the linesman yeah, had course. a clear, unobstructed view of that straight on. So if the referee doesn't see it in quotation marks, the linesman's got a clear view of it. So it should be given it as a penalty. But it sort of got forgotten about after that because Celtic weren't playing well. It didn't feel as if we deserved to, to be in the lead really, did we? Nah, well, no, not not in the first half. Well, not in the first hour. I, w- I wouldn't have suggested so because it's it's one of those rare occurrences where Celtic have loads and loads and loads of possession, but not very many chances at all. Yeah. Didn't Alexander Clark and St Johnston were obviously disappointed at conceding the two late goals, but they seemed almost celebratory about their performance. Everyone was like, "Oh, we were absolutely brilliant." Even on some of the, even on Sports Sound, they were talking about oh, St Johnston were absolutely brilliant today. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you you limited Celtic to almost no no chances, and that is something of achievement. But it's a, it's a bit of an indictment on Scottish football, isn't it? When you you come away thinking, "Wow, that was excellent today." We get beat two 0 but we it could have been more. So I, a wee bit, uh, uh, a wee bit off there. Uh, they, I thought they were dreadful. To be honest, they didn't uh, offer no, no. much. They had one chance where Con Conway hit the post, which like you're probably always going to get a chance, but it just felt as if. Like, there's only one win on the game. There's one game plan from St. Johnson's just to sit in and look, fair enough, that's the best way to play Celtic right now because we are struggling yeah. to break teams down. It's up to Celtic to go and do that. But it was just because it's getting so late on in the game, you are getting anxious. But Celtic, to be fair, they made the subs. Some of them I agree with, some of them I don't. I think it took took a lot of balls from Lennon to take Odson Edward off because I, I'd yeah, always yeah. say, look, he's got a chance of getting you a goal, leave him on, but his performances didn't justify that. To, he hooked in Cham as well, just not doing it, get him off, get Christie on. So fair play him for doing that. And also to bring on Rogic and Griffiths, I think that's both their first appearances of the season. Yeah, yeah, definitely it's Griffiths. either yeah. genius or it's last throw of the dice, a bit desperation to be putting these guys on, but it worked you well. Bring on a was... guy from 2018 and another guy from 2015. That is genius. <laughs> but, uh, in the end, we got the goal. We up to what was 75th minute. We didn't have any. We didn't have any shots on target, but the goal in the end was. It was a good goal, wasn't it? It was just, that is why Lee Griffiths is so frustrating because he can yeah. do this. And if you're looking at the squad, I said we need to play proper strikers up there. It's got to be Edward and Ayeti. And then for me, it's Griffiths behind that. If he can get himself fit and get himself into the squad, he's a better player than Kamala. It's just, we can rely on him for the goals, but we can't rely on him to be there to get goals because of his, his fitness. 
Yeah. I'll admit, um, I heard you you and uh, Ryan, our new rising star on Patreon, the yep. uh, budding sports journalist uh, contributor that's been been with us for a bit now, does a bit of writing and um, has been appearing on our Match Reaction podcast on Patreon as well. I heard to you doing that after the game and you said, you made an admission about Lee Griffiths in that you were kind of uh, a little bit weary of the whole situation and I, I have to admit I'm kind of in the same boat of when Lee Griffiths was back involved recently, Happy to see him, of course, but we've we've been here before, Willie Griffiths, yeah. and and I've even said that before on the podcast. I've even said we've been here before, Willie Griffiths. It's been, it's been a continuous sort of up and down roller coaster, Willie Griffiths, over the years. I, I have to admit that I'm kind of bored of the whole circus with Willie Griffiths just now. I, I would, I don't, again, don't get me wrong. Glad to see him back and all that, but I just can't be bothered with the whole, the, the whole thing, you know that. Fans aren't in, in the stadiums just now, but I couldn't really be bothered with it. Applauding him every time he takes a corner and applauding him for this, even though it was his. This is all his fault in the first place. Then I was wary of him making it all about him and you know pointing to his, his shirt and all that kind yeah. of right. But having listened to him in his interview oh, after the game, it, yeah, I thought he was great. Uh, he sounds genuinely sorry, apologetic for his his behaviour. He seems to take responsibility. All, finally, yeah, exactly. He's taking responsibility, and I thought, well, do you know what? That's that's all you can do. All yeah. you can do is is put your hands up. It's all gone now. It's all in the past. He can put his hands up. My my problem was never with Lee Griffiths as a player. I just I'd become just a little bit weary of the the whole you know as I say circus that that surrounds Lee Griffiths at all times. But when he comes back in you're very, very quickly reminded of what he can do. He's not played since the last game of last season, but he scored a hat-trick. So there are six months in between his goals, but really there are probably a matter of minutes in football terms between him scoring his last goal and scoring that. Almost never. Once he's back playing, it took him a while to get there, but once he's back playing, you're very quickly reminded of you know what Lee Griffiths is, and I'm not. I'm not saying you forget about what what led us to this point, but it's very easy to get over it when once he's back playing football like that because he made an instant impact. Not even just with his goal, with, with how he was playing as well. Yeah, he just took the words out my out my mouth. It's just as soon as he came on, we just looked more dangerous. There was one he get played through, and it just it sort of get caught under his feet. I think Lee Griffiths in say a month or so time after he's got some games under his belt snaps that shot first time and there's a chance it goes in the far corner but he just took that extra touch and had to go on the outside and try and get it across but he won a corner and just as soon as he comes on it's that out and out striker the one that's going to be on the shoulder last defenders the guy that's going to take that pot shot as soon as he gets the chance the early shot that's going to work the keeper and we just look more dangerous when he came on you see St Johnson were crowding out Edward they were crowding out El Yunusi but when the cross comes in from El Hamid Griffiths manages to find the space because he's that sort of instinctive striker that wants to get the goal. He'll always try and find that space. And it was a great header back across. And, oh, it was brilliant. It just, as soon as he came on, he just had that feeling that we're going to win 1-0 and he's going to score the winner, aren't you? Just because it it just felt like that. Obviously, we didn't finish that. But it just, he could just had a feeling that it was going to be like that. And if he's worked hard, fair enough, and he came back in, Lennon's not going to give him another chance if he doesn't deserve it and he hasn't done everything he's asked. But to get that goal and to hear him after it taking responsibility and talking about how the team's more important, it was great to see. That was ideal, actually, again, about his interview because it would have been the easiest thing in the world for him to go out in front of cameras, get a microphone in his face and just wheel out the old 
just football speak, you know, you know yeah. it's great, the, the gaffer gave me a chance, it's, it's great to put the ball in the back of the net, and all that kind of piss, he could have hit out with all that, but he actually took, as you said, took responsibility, and, you know, he was, he was, um, he was a grown-up about it, Lee Griffiths, yeah. so that's, that's basically all you can ask of him, and I thought he was, I thought he was very impressive, actually, because we all know what he can do on the field, but it was, it's always been a matter of, you know, taking that wee bit of responsibility for Lee Griffiths, and he, he's absolutely done that, so happy to have him back. Another man who was introduced was uh, Klamala, and he doubled the, the score and sealed it with a, another goal. I mean, I, I said a wee while ago that if he gets you know eight or ten goals this season, that's a big success, and he's already you know, well on his way to getting that and with very limited game time. Yet another example where we can give him immense credit for his uh, his work, his appetite for, for scoring the goal, because he was... Heavily filled oh. in, in the build-up to it. Great work from Duffy retrieving yeah. the ball, and then Kromala just gets cleaned out. However, he bounces straight back up and smashes it in the net. An absolutely great finish. Question for you: Is Kromala the only guy in the squad who gets up after that fill and follows it in and scores the goal? Because I, I think most people would think, "Wait, I've done my job here. I've drawn a fill on the yeah. edge of the box. Or someone, someone can take take a free kick. I've wasted another few seconds." But such as his desire to impress at Celtic, he gets up and smashes it in the back of the net. I don't know if many people do that. And that's not a criticism of anyone else who wouldn't have no. done it because most footballers stay down there because you're not, you've are not you not dived. You've been cleaned out. You've been absolutely wiped out by a potential red card, you know, tackle. If he bounces straight back up, such as, his, you know, such as his hunger to get that goal, it's possibly a rhetorical question. You can't really answer it. You can't really... It's, uh, it's impossible to know. But I just... I've, I thought to myself watching that, I don't know if many other other players do that. Yeah, it was just pure desire for him to get the ball. I think he's seen it was going through. But maybe he was just... Had a look at the... He'd been watching the game for the sidelines and thought, this referee's game has nothing. So I'm, there's <laughs> no, I'm not taking any chances. But it was great desire from him. And again, it was just a good finish from him. It's something that maybe when... He went clean through before. You've seen how he, he hesitated and he just hit it straight at the keeper. Whereas this one, he just gets up, has gets out of his feet and finishes without really thinking about it. It was a great finish. And even when you say, does anybody else get up from that and keep going? Does Klamala from six months ago with hair and a skinny wee guy get up from that? Or does the fact that he's yeah, went well. away, worked on himself, improved his game... And he's come back and maybe he's just a wee bit more confidence. He's got a wee bit more game time. I still don't... I've never really thought Kamala's going to be the answer. But if he's coming on and making impacts like that, he's going to change my mind because yeah, th- there's more evidence to say, wait a minute, this guy is a good player because he is coming on and he is getting on the score sheet. And that's his job as a striker after all. I feel like we're talking an awful lot more about subs than we normally do yeah, in, in these more podcasts. Subs, but yeah, well, that, that's the thing. Don't get me wrong, it benefited Celtic massively in this game. I think it was ultimately the difference between the two, the two teams, um, not in terms of ability or, or style or anything, but the, in getting the, the game won. I think Callum Davidson said as much after the game. He said that, look, they're able to bring on five top-class players. We, we can't do that. The five subs thing, I think, in general, I'm against it. While I also acknowledge that Celtic benefit massively from it, I think it's, I think it's bordering on farcical because you can make so many tactical substitutions I, I know that the idea of it, is, of it is to preserve players from getting injury, injuries in this you know, unprecedented times and all that Yeah, I know that's the idea of it but what we find now is that people can change half of their outfield team and I, I don't know I think it's, it's possibly going to get a bit silly you could 
potentially face a scenario where a team playing against Celtic makes five defensive substitutions in one game. It's not happened yet. It's probably unlikely, but it could happen. Yeah, it could, but I think it's it's sort of necessary this season. I think I'm I'm not a big fan of it, but I just think it's a necessity this season. Come the end of this yeah. season, I think it'll be back down to three, or maybe they'll just meet in the middle and go four. But it does benefit Celtic. But you see, every most of the big teams down in England are really up in arms because they haven't had the chance to do it. And just with the the packed schedule this year, I completely understand why it's happened. Yeah. But another one of those subs was Scott Brown, which was incredibly unusual because we all know he starts every single game. But he was another one who made a significant impact when he came on and was was heavily involved, heavily involved in up in the tempo. Now, after the game, Neil Lennon said that, you know, this is this is why he plays all the time, because you see the difference. Um, you see the difference in performance. We bring him on and he instantly will we'll get two goals out of it. For me, I, I looked at that and I thought, well, that's more evidence that he should be used more intelligently than yeah. he is because you can see the impact he had. We had the discussion very recently about, look, would you rather, in a game where you're you're looking to either get, get a goal at the end or close a game out, would you rather have a fresh-legged 20 minutes out of Scott Brown or a guy who's been potentially like chasing shadows for... You know, eighty minutes leading up to that. I think I think both have their, their places, but I saw his uh, his impact against St. Johnson, and I thought, well, yeah, well, that's intelligent. That that's that makes sense to bring on a, a guy of that influence for that shortened period of time. We we saw what he could do. Yeah, this is exactly how I think he should be used. We should be playing within the past week as an example. Hibs perfect for Scott Brown. Brilliant. Yeah. Bring him in, win the battles. We get the game won. You can take him off. Sarajevo away. That's the game you need, Scott Brown. We've had a decent gap between the Hibs game there. He's fresh enough for that. And then the Sunday game, you don't start him. Don't start him because it's better having him coming on and having an yeah. influence on the end of the game where we can still do something rather than him playing 60 minutes being knackered but having to stay on because he is the leader and because yeah. We're, yeah. they're too fearful. Whereas if you bring him on, the players turn around and go, oh, wait a minute, he's on. There's no hiding places anymore. We need to do this. And I don't think necessarily bringing Scott Brown on changed the dynamics. I think bringing a player on in that position, which allowed Cal mm, McGregor yeah, yeah. to get forward and have more influence in the game, was a was a big difference in it. Yeah, yeah of course. And speaking of Scott Brown, just to lead us back into the other game that has been played this week, uh, Sarajevo, I thought he was excellent in that game as well oh, yes. because you know, yeah, I thought it was a good performance from him. But again, it's all—it's just all about managing these things. Just using them intelligently, and I thought—I thought he's been—he's been used perfectly well on the reaction podcast that we had out immediately after the game on Patreon. Jamie posed the the question about his performance. He said he he wanted to see the stats on it. It's something we could maybe pick up on the the Monday podcast. And ever the professional, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> Scott Brown's passing stats for the game against Sarajevo. Accuracy, 96%. Long passes, 100%. Two out of two. Through passes, one out of one, 100%. Passes to the final third, 100%. Seven out of seven. Passes to penalty area, 100%. One out of one. And forward passes, 94%. And back passes, 88%. There, Jamie asked, he receives... That, there is his report card for the Sarajevo game, and that's a, that's a glowing report for Scott Brown's performance, IMO. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite well, not surprised because I watched the game and i seen him, but I didn't realise he was so forward-thinking in the game. I think yeah. it was the 
the pre- one of the previous games he hadn't made any passes to Frimpong and as we know Frimpong's been one of our better players but Sarajevo I thought he was much better and Sarajevo came a, sort of, a week after the Riga game where Riga I thought it was a pretty laboured performance whereas yeah. the Sarajevo I thought Celtic were, were good coming off the back of that Hibs game I thought we were decent we were always in control of the game we've seen from last year that Sarajevo are no mugs they are a, were a decent team for the, the level they were playing at so I thought Celtic it was, a, it was much better than Riga just again not creating the clear cut chances but I never felt during the game oh what if they score, we're going to struggle, because they didn't yeah, create no. anything, it was again just about Celtic breaking them down, and we did that, and it wasn't as anxious, because we got the goal a bit earlier than the last 10 minutes, but thoroughly deserved victory, and it was good to see Edward get a goal as well. What it shares in common with the St Johnson game is that it was a largely, well, almost completely uneventful first half. The first half in both games, I thought, just passed without really any action, really anything to, to note uh, at all, to be perfectly honest, but much, much better in the second half. I thought with Celtic piling on the pressure in the second half, it felt like a matter of time for most yeah. of that half, and it, it eventually got it after 70 minutes when the keeper, keeper spilled on, let's know. Let's not make any mistake about that. He kind of laid a bit of an egg there. Christie had a long-range shot and spilled it to Edward, who, who's first to it and, you know, doesn't miss them very often. Yeah, that's what you want to see from him, more of that instinctive striker. I've seen this mention the word instinctive quite a lot, but if you're playing two strikers and you need one of them to be in there sniffing, sniffing out those chances because... That's that's what it's all about. Two strikers is meant to cause more problems for the defence, give them what they worry about, but if they're both dropping off, it's difficult. But I think that these European performances, while they haven't been great, it's just about getting through these games right now because, as yeah. Jamie says, uh, every time we go to play a European game now, like there's no mugs anymore. These teams are all decent. They're all well-organised, pretty well-coached, and we've seen what, with Ferenc Varos, what they can do. We... We scoffed and said they'll not make it into the Champions League, but maybe they're a better team than yeah. we gave credit for. But that's not to take away from the fact that Celtic had that game and it was all Celtic's fault that they didn't go through. But they were a decent team. But these games, they're hard because these teams are unseeded. Celtic are the better team. So they're just going to sit in. They're going to make it difficult for Celtic. But now that we're in the Europa League, we've seen last year in the group stages, every team's going to have a go at it because... That's what that's what you're there to do. Every team in this Europa League group, it's a lot tougher than I would have liked, but everybody will think they've got a chance of going through, and that's exactly what Celtic will need. They'll need teams to sort of open up, and that's when we'll look more dangerous, whereas teams like Sarajevo, they'll be hoping to maybe scrape a goal and just defend the whole game or get to extra time and maybe penalties, but I don't see any other teams in the group stage proper doing that. You mentioned then that we we know our group now for another run at the old Europa League and it is, as you say, much tougher than than you probably would have expected. In a a way, that's quite a good thing. It's always nice to to, to see different teams and I think it's quite a good group, to be honest, that when you... Well, let's face it, we sat here almost, well, a bit earlier than this last year. We were talking about the group and how, well, on paper, that's a Champions League group when you're coming up against Cluj and... Ren and Lazio, we, th- we all thought, oh, that's too Two tough. of them are in the Champions League now. That's it. Scooshed it. Absolutely <laughs> pissed it, the, that group. But you look at it this year, Sparta Prague, AC Milan, Diego Laxalt's parent club, yep. of course. But I, I think he'll, he'll be able to play against them, won't no, he? Because I think there that's isn't that. part of the hold-up of the deal. They're trying to negotiate that. Is it? That's not a... 
That's not a UEFA thing though, is it? Because I remember Patrick Roberts played against Man City, Bangura played against us, of course. I, I don't think it counts in Europe, so maybe it's uh, maybe one of those kind of gentlemen's agreements yeah, I think between the two clubs. This one's just sort of a bit different because the group's already drawn before the transfer. Usually right, these okay. things are all sort of sorted out. The the transfer's usually before the groups are drawn. So. But Lille, Lille are a tough outfit as well. I yeah. mentioned earlier on, Team Away is new team, but... Finished fourth in League 1 last season. They're currently second after about six games. So they're, they're clearly a decent team. I just I think it's a, a very, very tough group. AC Milan, we'll talk about all these these nearer the time. But this is just a kind of initial thoughts, um, a reaction, if you will, to the, to the group. We will delve further into them when the, the games come up. We'll be doing scouting reports on them. We'll be doing you know, preview podcasts on Patreon and all that. AC Milan, yes, they, they're not the team of the 90s, but I, th- I think it's uh, it would be remiss of us to dismiss them as oh, you know, yeah. just a big name from the past. I think they've been resurgent in recent times. Zlatan continues to defy time and logic and still absolutely amazing. It feels like Zlatan's career has ended a couple of times now, but yet he's still going and seemingly getting better. He had Remember he had that near career-ending injury at Man United? Yep. That was like four years ago. And he, he was he was thirty six at the time. Oh, he was three years ago, so he was thirty six at the time. And everybody thought, well, that's it. He's he's done his knee ligaments, so he's definitely finished. Nope, turned thirty nine this week, still banging the goals in for for AC Milan. Absolutely ridiculous. Has played against Celtic before, but it was God, I remember nearly twenty years ago. Then he came off the bench for uh, Ajax. Last so, yeah, exactly. So I think it's an interesting group. Um, I think it's very, very challenging, very, very tough. But, you know, as I say, we, we saw that last year and we came through that. So don't have anything to fear in it. No, I'm, I'm delighted with the group, to be honest. I think the if you were coming up against Prague in the Champions League qualifiers, you'd be really worried about that. You'd be thinking, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll be a very good team. Lille, yeah. as you said, very good French team. And again, AC Milan, it's very reminiscent of the group last year. But look, Celtic have done it the last two seasons we had Leipzig and we had uh, Salzburg and we came through that group but they're two really good teams they've just not got the the maybe the big name of European groups because they're quite new teams but even last year Lazio and Ren are both in the Champions League we done well against these teams I'd rather come up against teams that in every game you feel oh there's a chance we could lose but equally there's a chance we can go out and win every game I think the fixtures as well have been quite kind to us as well the way Mm. it falls it's AC Milan at home Lille away then there's a double head against Prague so if we can get a good number of points to start off with before we go into those double headers and crucially we finish at home to Lille so the fixtures have been kind to us I'm just really looking forward to it I think it's a great group it is Champions League-esque and everything apart for the name AC Milan have got their shit together recently they've yeah, yeah. made some good signings I know they haven't been great over the last couple of seasons but I think write them off at your peril as you said and they've signed Sandro Tanoli, so he's the, the next big thing in Italy so I think we're yeah. going to see a lot of good players at Celtic They just the only thing is we're probably not going to be there to watch it in the stadium no. unfortunately bunch of slugs get that week <laughs> get that table one that group uh, I di- to be honest I didn't want Leicester because not because I fear Leicester or fear Brendan Rodgers I just I feel that Jamie Vardy is in this was before the weekend the, the draw was made he was in, he's in such good form and he's he's such a little Brendan Rodgers lieutenant and he? he's uh, like a pure Brendan pure Rodgers weapon. gang you, you, and he's such a, a shithouse such a bam up merchant you know he would love absolutely love 
to, to stick it to Celtic for his big pal there, Brendan. So I'm kind of glad we didn't get them. I could have done without that that tension, but I'm, I'm happy with the group. I obviously think ooh, it's very, very difficult and, you know, we'll, we'll just we'll take what we can get. But at the same time, it's it's one of those groups, much like last year, where I just think, you know, bring it on. I think we can we can yeah. actually do something, get, get a good few points. I think all the teams will feel they can take points off each other, which probably work in a yeah. favour, and it just means hopefully we go through and then we'll get Brendy in the last 32 and my premonition will come true <laughs> and he'll be back at Celtic Park this season. That's right, your bold prediction for the season. Brendan Rodgers to return to Celtic Park in some capacity or other. Possibly, in fact, not possibly, undeniably the biggest, the boldest prediction of the season for Brendan Rodgers to return. Right, Jay's Mellow, we've done it again. We've done it again. It is an official Jamie-less basket of cats yep, podcast, a time. basket of cats cast every single time. I don't know, maybe people like us farting on and on and on for far too long. They're well past our time limit here. And maybe people like that. Get in, get in touch. <laughs> Would you like to hear more endless podcasts from me, me and Melly? No, we're kidding. But uh, we've, we've done it again. We've gone far too long. But just uh, to wrap up, people will have heard us talking quite a lot about the, the Patreon and what we do on there on this podcast. But just to give you a, a couple of details on what that actually is, Patreon is basically just like a, a support system for things you would quite like to, to help with the support of. In exchange for your support, every month we do a number, a range of extra podcasts on Patreon. At the end of last week, we had Chris Sutton on the podcast to talk us through his dream 11 of oh, players yes. he's played with in his career. A few surprises in there, a good few laughs as well. I think he went easy on us right enough. I think because he was on a Celtic podcast, it was timier than yeah. he normally would have done it, but you know, no complaints there. Some key players, some big names left out, purely to spare our feelings to get as many Tims in as possible, but it's not all Celtic players. Uh, apart from that, we do a lot of match coverage, such as the live preview show on, on Patreon. We do match reactions. We, do, we have professional scouting commissioned. Uh, we have articles written by the aforementioned Ryan Brown. We've got lots and lots of different stuff. We'll get the phone in. Uh, we've got so much. Go and check it out. It keeps us in things like microphones and laptops and all that kind of stuff. If you've been listening to us all these years and find it to be worth something, then there's a way to, to help us out. If not, if this, the Monday Night Podcast, is your is as far as you're willing to go, do us a wee favour and send us in a five-star review on either Podcast Addict or Apple Podcast. It makes a big difference and helps us out quite a bit. On that, we have been running a oh, competition yes. weekly now where we've been giving away official 20 Minute Tim's gold pin badges to our favourite reviews of the week. I have been operating these. I've been picking the winners every week and Melly, it's a very strong category this week. Oh, Uncle Jamie's not here to put the foot down and decide how many we're dishing out. We could, we could go wild here. We could, couldn't we? Santa here, just handing it, handing them out like sweeties. It's like the sub teacher. The teacher's off, so we'll just get a sub <laughs> in. You go wild, launching rubbers everywhere, man. We'll be launching Watch. badges instead. <laughs> right, and a few of them are too long to read out. I won't, I won't do that. But needless to say, we have been uh, very impressed with submissions from El Mico thirteen, from Just James, from Lunar Hog, and from Andrew Fulton, and from ONC. And you know what? I'm going to give them all a bad smelly. That's, that that's how generous. Yep, that's five this five. week. We've gone absolutely crazy. We're handing the, the badges out. But that's how grateful we are. That's how much those those reviews mean to us. That's how much they help out. So we've gone mental. I'm going to get shouted at by Jamie when he comes back. But just try to look after the listeners. Yeah, five five badges just to match the five star tattoo you've recently got. 
that that is untrue, Nelly. <laughs> anyway, enough of this nonsense. As we as we say, we have gone on far too long. So we will be back. Guy, it's international break. Great news, folks. <laughs> eh, it's international break. But fear not, we will be back on Monday with something or other. We'll always we'll always take care of you in the Monday night, and we'll be continuing the Patreon output throughout as well. How to check that out is to go to patreon.com slash 20 minute for full details of that. Say goodbye, Melly. Goodbye, Melly. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you next week. Cheers, folks. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 